0: So yeah, I have hay fever where it's so bad. You're like, is this a cold or is it hay fever? And I'll probably only know in a few days when ultimately either I get a cold or I'm just suffering from the same symptoms. Oh my
1: gosh. Is it? Is it like stuffy nose? Do you get like a sore yeah. throat with it or anything? Yeah,
0: I get a really sore throat and I wake up oh. in the morning like <laughs> this is gross. We're getting gross territory already. That's fine. Like it's um fine. yeah, phlegm in the back of my throat. Like oh.
1: oh and so so you like wake up and you get upright and then it's like <laughs> and you clear it out.
0: Yeah. Or you get in the shower and you're like, Oh no
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh dear. how I'm doing, Rue. How are
1: you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, we had a big update to 1Password for Mac yesterday. We launched 1Password 7.3, which includes uh, a brand new 1Password mini. Ooh. We've been working on this thing for months. Nice. And it's finally out in the world, and it's awesome. It has it has this really cool thing in it where when you go to a web, web page um, and you bring up 1Password, it will analyze the page, and it will tell you... Well, it doesn't tell you. I mean, it, it analyzes the page and then shows you the the items that it can fill on that page. That's really cool. So if you're on, like, a payment page, it'll show you your credit cards. If you're Ooh. on a regular login page, it'll show you, you know, your login for that website. Uh, if you're like filling out shipping information or something, it'll show you your identity. So it can just fill in your address for you automatically. It's really... Uh, amazing. It's really nice. And the user interface is, is a lot... Cleaner and tighter than it used to be. We just put so much work into it, and I'm so happy to finally see it out there. So yeah,
0: it must feel good to finally release it for
1: sure. And and it was a like it was a really solid launch. We had some really nice feedback from people that were like, oh, this is so much better. Thank you so much. Nice. You know, we got some good press coverage, which was it's always fun to sort of see one password make the rounds mm. of the the Apple press and have it appear on all the the sites that I frequent. Sure,
0: and say nice things as well.
1: And say nice things. Exactly. <laughs> we don't
0: want them to say nasty things.
1: No, no. Everyone everyone had nice things to say, which <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like we need to address the fact that Matt's not here as well. Who, Matt. I know. This
1: name sounds familiar to me. i uh, We
0: are Mattless.
1: Remind me who Matt is again. Oh, I've,
0: you've already forgotten. Sad. I've
1: already forgotten. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I
0: was going to say, you must feel so naked doing the show without him.
1: No, this is fine. Uh, this this is, uh, it's, it's my time to shine, Anna. I can finally stretch my <laughs> wings and crawl out from underneath his shadow. He's
0: not holding you back anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but I feel as well, we should mention that this show goes out on his birthday. So we should probably say happy birthday to him.
1: We should. Happy birthday, Matt. Our friend Benji said something about Matt the other day that I thought was so spot on. <laughs> and that is um, Matt is the youngest 50-year-old he's ever met.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if it's something about him being like an old man, like yeah, totally. He's
1: like, I'm turning 30. And I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? You've been 30 for
0: years. Oh, oh, it's very strange. Yeah, we're going out for a nice Indian meal for his birthday when he comes oh, back. Oh, you're going to get
1: some chicken tikka masala
0: yeah some
1: fresh naan bread oh
0: gosh oh that's how 50 year olds like to celebrate their birthday
1: get them a nice glass of metamucil
0: indigestion (laughs) 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 but yes anyway happy birthday matt happy birthday matt i um have bust out the party blower again just for you (laughs) I love it. That's great.
1: I bet our listeners hate it, but I love it.
0: (laughs) My cat certainly did not enjoy that. She just jumped out of her skin.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Uh, should we dive into some Watchtower Weekly, Anna?
0: Yeah, I think we should.
1: Uh, Snapchat workers snooped on users with internal tool. Ugh. Yep. <laughs> Ugh.
0: So, current and former employees of Snap have described how an internal tool, which was only supposed to be used in response to law enforcement investigations, was used by staff to access users' saved photos and videos, phone numbers, and email addresses.
1: Oh. Gosh! Now, so, so here's the thing. I'm an I am also an old man, as you know. We talked about mapping earlier. So, to me, when I hear about Snapchat, the only thing I know about Snapchat is that at one point it was used people used it to send dirty pictures to one another <laughs> so
0: i'm sure that's still the case
1: so this this means that these employees were looking at other people's dirty pictures <laughs> that's really what this comes down to oh gosh the internal tool this is reported by bitdefender.com by the way uh the internal tool called snap lion became more widely used inside the company for purposes such as resetting passwords on hacked accounts one former worker described it as quote the keys to the kingdom yeah this is so dangerous like this is these tools like this existing are so dangerous because they will be misused like that's that's the thing like we have this is one of the things i love about us and 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 i'm sure that on every episode people hear us sort of (laughs) toot our own horn usually metaphorically sometimes when it's someone's birthday we actually toot a horn Ah! (laughs) oh god but like we don't we don't have access to to the type to the data that people store on onepassword.com like it's all completely there's just no way for us to access it this could never even be a problem for us Mm. because we don't even have the means to access this type of information And, and these these companies that do the ability for them to to see abuse like this is is really it's unfortunate and it It almost seems like a foregone conclusion that at some point that's just going to happen.
0: Yeah. And it kind of feels like there needs to be like a proper policing tool for something like this um, to try and make sure that these kind of internal tools and apps aren't being used in an appropriate Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. But yeah, I guess there's no real laws in place at the moment to make sure that, you know, they have to be in place.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess the takeaway here is just sort of the old, like, if you post it somewhere, assume that it's available for everyone to see mm. if you put it online assume that it's available for everyone to see yeah
0: like even if you put it as private yeah. it doesn't mean like the general public might not be able to see it but someone you know working for that company might have access to that information yeah, for sure um so i guess it depends how much you trust the people at that company i
1: mostly trust it but i still sort of you know there's always that that i think healthy fear mm. about the, the stuff that goes on that goes online and and what could be done yeah for sure uh what's going on in baltimore anna
0: oh some scary things so the city of baltimore is being held hostage by ransomware
1: oh my
0: god and yeah this one when i read it i was like this sounds like it should be a fictitious story like happening to a yeah, fictitious government department in like a TV program or something. But this is sure. this is real. <laughs> so um, the U.S. City of Baltimore has been partially paralyzed since the 7th of May, when a randomized attack seized parts of the government's computer systems. Um, and this has caused like chaos. The attack basically took down voicemail, email, a parking fines database. And a system used to pay water bills, property taxes, and vehicle citations. And real estate transactions were also shut down.
1: Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Local (laughs) residents have been unable to pay utility bills, parking tickets, and some taxes online as a consequence, which I'm sure everyone is like,
0: hooray, we don't have to pay this stuff right now. Delay paying this bill for a bit.
1: Yeah, but um, so for those that don't know, ransomware is when uh, a nefarious actor of some fashion takes control of something Mm. uh, and then ransoms it back to you. So, you know, very much like uh, like you'd think ransom would work. Um, uh, This has happened sort of to personal computers in the past where uh, an attacker has gained control of someone's system and locked them out of it and said, like, I will release the lock once you pay for it. This is much bigger scale than yeah. that. this is the city of Baltimore. <laughs> Holy crap.
0: In this case the hacker is um demanding 13 bitcoins which is worth around 100,000 US dollars oh. in order to get full restore of its systems back. Um and the mayor has told local reporters on Monday that the city might pay up at some point but they said right now They're going to say no, but in order to move the city forward, they might have to think about it. Can
1: you imagine the scrambling that is going on in Baltimore right now? Like just because (laughs) right now they're way, like they are very obviously weighing the cost to fix this against the cost to pay to have it released.
0: Yeah, and the time expense as well, I guess.
1: And the time expense, yeah. But the risk, of course, is that they pay. And then they're still hosed, right? Like the person's like, nah, I changed my mind. That's... (laughs) Holy crap.
0: Yeah, and there's since been an update on the story about um, the NSA. And so politicians representing Baltimore are now asking questions of the NSA after claims it helped make the breach possible. So the New York Times reported on Saturday uh, that a hacking vulnerability known as Eternal Blue has been exploited to blackmail Baltimore's local government Um, and that they discovered the flaw but the paper claims that its cyber spies kept the discovery secret for years. Wow! So
1: this is a this is a movie. This this is a movie. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna star uh, Will Smith and. Uh, <laughs>
0: Will
1: Smith. Yeah yeah and uh What
0: as the mayor? No,
1: not as the mayor, <laughs> as like the like the guy like, who who's who saves the whole thing. Not the hacker. No. no. <laughs> the hacker is gonna be played by like well Raimi Malik is a little too on the nose, but you know, like oh, yeah. something in that uh in that vein.
0: Yeah. I saw it as like do you watch Parks and Recreation?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: I saw it as like an episode of Parks and Rec where like Ron Swanson <laughs> has been hacked <laughs> and is being held to ransom. But he doesn't care because he doesn't care about the government really anyway. Right. So um, I, I kind of pictured it like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we don't have any advice to the city. Of no, we don't. On, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, the no. only
0: thing is generally prevention is better than a cure with ransomware attacks so uh,
1: yeah 100 by the
0: time you get to that stage it's kind of there's nothing really you can do
1: yeah <laughs> uh should we get into the big topic?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay, Anna, do you have children?
0: <laughs> I don't. Unless, okay. <laughs> unless you count my very furry cat, baby. Um, I,
1: I, I absolutely don't. Hundred <laughs> percent. That does not. It's not. A, it's not a child. I'm
0: sure that does not count. <laughs> no. But you have kids, right?
1: <laughs> I do. I have two. I have two kids. Yeah. Uh, two kids un, under the age of ten.
0: Nice. So I'm hoping you can uh, you can steer this a little bit for me. Yeah. Because our big topic this week. Is how can I. Produce protect my kids online
1: yeah um you know when we were young uh this was not that much of an issue No, like, uh, cer- certainly but I, I grew up in the 80s uh ha- how old are you anna
0: um so i grew up in the 90s i'm 28 okay but yeah i kind of grew up in the days of like aol and msm messenger so it's was, it was very early days and it was starting to become a thing
1: right you could you could certainly dial up and and connect connect to some websites and yes, stuff but it's dial not up,
0: yeah in the dial up days so yeah because it was so new my parents didn't really you know sit me down with the whole like this is how online security works kind of thing oh
1: absolutely not no
0: so it was yeah it was definitely a different time but i feel like now like even just a decade or so um on this has become you know, a massive increasing concern for parents.
1: Yeah, for sure. So there's a, you know, this is something I think about quite a bit, especially as my kids start to get older and they start to do more things online. Um, you know, the first thing is to educate. That's like the the basic, the most basic thing you can do is sort of teach them and instill in them from a young age uh, to keep private things private. It, you know, we are very much in a in an age now. Where people live their entire lives online, uh, everything they do goes online, and um, this is something that I personally I don't think is very healthy. I, I don't think that it's it's it should be the norm, um, and so starting to have these discussions with your kids about sort of online safety and and privacy early on, I think, sets a very positive baseline. And it also sets you up to have these discussions with them as they start getting exposure to certain things. Um, you know, you can start start to talk to them about the types of threats on the internet, best practices. Uh, there's even, like, children's picture books and stuff you can get. Uh, there's one called Chicken Clicking, <laughs> uh, which I haven't seen yet, but now I'm going to go check it out, uh, to sort of help teach kids from a young age. And it, and it really is good to start this stuff early so I think that like education is really, is really good. Hmm. Um, and there is an entire online world outside of social media, but on the topic of social media, and this is very much my, my belief. I don't think that children need to have social media accounts. I, I, with my kids in particular, I'm going to push back pretty hard on them getting, facebook accounts or twitter accounts or snapchat accounts or whatever whatever the new trend happens to be when they sort of hit that age when all their friends are doing x y or z i'm going to be that parent that pushes back on that pretty hard because i don't i think that a lot of things happen in the realm of of those uh, types of of online activities that quickly becomes unhealthy and uh, i think it's it is sort of a, a space where things are not as controlled and there's very much that sort of power in in anonymity that kids can start to feel and exploit without someone there to guide them through and and say like no that's not how you act online like I mean we see it today right we see it with kids uh, through like Xbox Live playing online and you know you get ten year olds screaming obscenities playing Call of Duty and whatnot yeah. and like that's and I, and I realize there's a bit of me old man you know sitting on a porch <laughs> shaking my cane but you know I think that that a question a parent should really ask themselves is like do my kids even need to have this type of account online. Yeah, it's
0: a good question to ask.
1: Yeah. But okay, so let's let's assume that you've asked yourself that question and you've said, sure. Like, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I'll let you have a Facebook account. Yeah. If you really have to.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, help your kids set the privacy controls on their social media accounts. If they're old enough to do it themselves, uh, then go through the options with them. Otherwise, you know, you, you should definitely take over there. But it's important to create a dialogue between you and them rather than just telling them what to do and giving them strict boundaries you know try to teach them what why you're doing this or or what the what the importance of these things are yeah you know there are apps and services out there that sort of have a special safe mode for children which you can switch on i think uh facebook messenger has like a kids only mode at this point yeah so you know there's there's things like that installing antivirus is is always a fine thing to do, uh, especially when you get people, young people who aren't necessarily well-versed in in sort of spotting the, the types of things they shouldn't click on or shouldn't interact with. Uh, children are just as vulnerable as the rest of us, if not more so. So, you know, get some protection in there in the form of antivirus or, or, or sort of malware detection. Sounds good. Uh, set up separate accounts for your kids on any shared devices. Now, this is something I do actually have. Um, on the iMac we have in the house, um, I have a, a user account for my daughter and she's She can log in there, and I have that account really locked down. Um, I I have full, like, full parental controls turned on. She can only get to certain websites, and uh, she has a time limit. I think it's thirty minutes a day that she can be on the computer. Nice and. Yeah, and and so starting to give her the freedom to explore, um, and and see what's out there, but in a safe, you know, a, a pretty lockdown safe environment. This is something that they have at school as well. Okay. So you know, she has her own account at school. She can walk up to any computer in the school and sort of log in. Yeah. Um, and so I set up that same thing here, and and she likes it. And there's some websites that she hits and, and enjoys, and a lot of it's just games. She just wants to go play games online. Um, <laughs> She asked me to install Flash the other day, and I told her no. I'm never installing Flash on (laughs) this (laughs) computer.
0: Did your kids ever go through a fascination of going on YouTube and watching like Kinder eggs and things being opened?
1: When when my daughter was young, uh, she stumbled across a YouTube channel where people took My Little Pony toys and then would make up oh. new like my little pony adventures and stuff with them wow and i was like that creeps me the hell out like we're not watching that anymore like absolutely not <laughs> I and i youtube is actually <laughs> one of the sites that i've restricted her access to because i just just who knows yeah. what kind of nonsense is out there that
0: could just be an endless void absolutely and there's just no it just automatically plays onto the next yeah. one yep
1: yeah. yeah so our next point sort of dovetails off the last one consider using kid safe browsers and search engines um there are certainly some some kid safe options out there. I've just I'm just have them set up with Safari, and I've locked down yeah. I've locked down the websites they can get to. Um, but you can also get like specific browsers just for kids. Those sort of come with a with a pretty good uh, whitelist of sites that they can get to. Use locking or limiting tools to influence their daily usage. I, I mentioned that we have that too. You know, I've got the the screen time feature set up to sort of set daily limits, uh, which is great because you don't you know otherwise. 3 hours goes by and you're like where's my kid what are they doing <laughs> um
0: they're watching things being unpacked on youtube yeah,
1: exactly uh these sort of give you the ability to block apps or limit the use of apps during school hours or after bedtime actually yeah this stuff is this is really cool like we've we've you know set it set up certain things so that she can only do them during certain times or like just on the weekends and stuff yeah um and and again like i we had a discussion with her about this about what you know, I think that that's sort of the the overarching theme is to sort of this. These are mm. these are opportunities for you to sort of connect with your kid and 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 have have a conversation with them about why these things are important instead of just sort of laying down edicts and saying this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Only allow your kids to add people they know. Let's assume that they get a Facebook account. Don't let them just friend everybody in the world um you know stranger danger is still very much a thing <laughs> online uh you know limit it to family and like close friends or people that you actually know and and again make sure that they're not sort of giving out personal identifiable information yeah. related my daughter came home from school the other day she goes dad we got to get the house ready i invited everybody in my class over to have a carnival here <laughs> And I said, what? Okay, honey. I said, hold up. You, no, don't do that. And she goes, well, I didn't tell anybody where we live. And I go, oh, okay, then it's probably fine. I'm sure no one will actually show
0: up. She didn't make invitations with this is the day, this is the time. Oh, she did that, but she
1: left the address off. So we were, oh, okay. we were in good shape. <laughs> um, wow. But that was my the, sort of the time when I had the opportunity to talk about not giving away key bits of personal (laughs) information so this is one that i think is a little bit easier in my household than others Uh, i teach my kids about good password habits this is something that that people should do as well don't they should not just have like you know uh you know one two three four five six seven as their password like you know you can you can start to teach them about password management and and what it means to sort of uh generate a strong unique password or use a unique password you know for every site that they have. This is, this is your opportunity to sort of instill that from a very young age.
0: Yeah, there's some nice ideas as well. Like you can use lyrics from their favorite song or a sentence yeah. from their favorite book or something um, to help them obviously build kind of strong passwords that they can actually remember but aren't obvious to potential hackers.
1: For sure, yeah. If you do have your kid go on social media, add them as a friend there uh, so that you can sort of keep an eye on what's going on and, and engage with them there. That means, you know, we talked about it earlier. You might find yourself creating a Snapchat account <laughs> just for the purposes of seeing, uh, what, what your kid's doing. But, um, you know, be present where they are so that you can see what's happening and so that you are self-educated. You know, it, I think that one of the, the worst things that we can do as parents is sort of turn into Luddites as we get older and, and, lose touch with the things that are happening and it makes it very easy for your kids to sort of find a spot to go back to the old adage like well my parents don't understand what this is so I can sort of do whatever I want yeah yeah and so just sort of wrapping it up keep keep the lines of communication open with your kids make sure that you know what they're getting up to make sure that that they know what you expect of them and you know certainly there are going to be times when when things sort of go off the rails and these are opportunities to educate and to have a discussion, um, and sort of say like, this is something that went wrong. Uh, let's talk about why that, that happened and, and what we can do to make sure that doesn't happen in the future and, and use this as an opportunity to sort of build, you know, build a relationship and try and, you know, create a, an environment where your kid feels comfortable coming to you with with questions and you feel comfortable giving them answers and and stuff like that because the internet is a terrible awful place and there's horrible things out there <laughs> Uh, So, Anna, why don't we bring in our guest? Uh, Today we have Amanda Berlin on. Amanda is uh, a CEO of Mental Health Hackers and co host of the Break Sec Security podcast. She is also the author of the Defense Security Handbook, uh, providing Security 101 for companies and organizations.
0: So um, welcome to the show Amanda, it's um, a pleasure to have you. I'm actually really looking forward to this interview because we kind of regularly interview tech experts like yourself, but we don't ever really get the chance to talk about the kind of wider issues around it, like mental health. So yeah, it's really great to have you here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So first things first, can you kind of introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit more about mental health hackers?
2: Um, What kind of inspired you to set something like this up? Oh, sure. Um, So uh, a little bit about me and my background first. Um, So I've been in tech in general for about I think 12 years now, kind of started uh, in Desk and then went like the whole net admin, sysadmin route and then kind of fell into security about maybe six years ago. Um,
0: <laughs> it just <laughs> fell in.
2: <laughs> yeah, those numbers just keep on growing for some reason. Uh, yeah, so I've been doing uh, mostly defensive security work um, now for the past six years. So I started talking about mental health uh, about three years ago now. Um, it was an idea I had for my first keynote. So the, uh, you know, I was super nervous. Uh, I had been doing talks for a couple of years, but had, you know, never thought I was going to get to, you know, do a keynote anywhere in, or because, you know, people usually have to ask you to do that, right?
0: Yeah. That would terrify me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, I was asked to do it. So prior to that, I was doing like, um, uh, just defensive security, like phishing talks, um, all, all tech talks and uh when they asked me to do that i'm like oh well i should probably do something more like ted talk ish you know like a big picture idea or whatever you know during the process of me trying to think of what i should talk about i had posted something to facebook or twitter about you know some problems that i was having with mental health um because i struggle all the time with anxiety and then every now and then with depression and uh, just the response I got back from the little bit I was talking, I'm like, oh, you know, that might be a good topic to talk about because other people don't think that they're having, you know, anybody else is having problems. So the first keynote I gave was called, uh, Hackers, Hugs, and Drugs, uh, Mental Health and InfoSec. And I did a bunch of research, um, on tech specific things when it comes to, uh, mental health. And there's actually like a whole bunch of research around it. And the response I got from that talk was insane. Like I had uh, a lot of people come up to me and say that they thought they were the only one struggling and that they never thought I would have been because I don't seem sad on the outside, right? I'm always just like happy and go lucky, you know, when I'm in public. After that, like I gave that talk, I think at this point, like maybe 13, 14 more times. I normally just retire a talk after like one or two times, because you can go online and see it, which you can with these two, but uh, not everybody does. So I kind of made a promise to myself that I would give that talk uh, as many times as it would get accepted. And after that, um, it was last year uh, prior to DerbyCon, which was uh, in October last year. And I'm like, okay, well, all of these people are coming Uh, to hear me speak about this topic. I wonder if I can reach a wider audience if I like ran a workshop. Yeah. So put in for that, ran the first mental health workshop slash village ever that I know of, (laughs) at least in an InfoSec conference. And it went way better than I ever thought it would have. I was trying to raise like $3,000 $3,000 because I wanted to provide massages and, you know, get a whole bunch of stuff for the room and ended up raising over 7000 Wow. Had such good response. Um, and, you know, vendors coming up to me and people coming up to me asking if they could have it at their conferences and people wanting to sponsor that I thought, okay, well, I need more than just me if this is going to become a thing. So yeah, right after DerbyCon, I kind of just decided to make it a company. Pulled in what I hope is a very diverse uh, group of people into my board and into our uh, volunteers. Everybody that is very very passionate about mental health in general, and we kind of just then formed Mental Health Hackers, and we just became a official nonprofit uh, in the beginning of uh, April. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: It seems like you found. An opportunity and a niche and like a gap
2: in the market kind of that needed to be there. Yeah. And this is not anything that I ever thought I would ever be talking about or doing, you know, like my passion is security. And this was just kind of something that I would talk about on the side and I didn't realize there was such a large need for it. Um, But there, you know, after the second to 10th to you know a couple dozen people come up to you and say you know if it wasn't for this I wouldn't be here yeah or you know it's just like all right well if I can do that for one person that's really all that matters yeah and I think you're right
0: like you just need to get talking about
2: anxiety as well
0: because I'm a massive suffer of anxiety myself and I kind of kept it pent up for such a long time and then when you actually start talking to people about it and kind of like admitting like oh I'm suffering and stuff people actually identify with you and once you realize that you're not alone and more people are suffering and um, have very similar experiences to you it makes it a lot easier to kind of live with day to day, I think. Oh, definitely. Okay. So kind of what sorts of things does mental health hackers provide as
2: a charity? We currently provide villages at conferences um, and peer support. So one of the things that I like to put out there is like, none of us are doctors, right? But we kind of want it to be like, the AA for mental health, <laughs> you know, there aren't doctors usually that are at AA meetings. It's just a peer support group where you go and you share your personal stories and your personal struggles and what has worked for you Yeah, and kind of just gather information. It isn't something where we're providing therapy. It isn't, uh, we're not providing medicine. We're not providing any of that stuff. You know, we're just providing kind of a space at a conference where you can go and relax and it's a quiet environment. Um, because I would find myself a lot of times at conferences just, you know, cause I work from home most of the time and I'm not around people. And you know, when I go to a conference, I'm just surrounded by people 24 seven. It's just like a sensory overload then. And like yeah. my brain freaks out and you know, I have to go cry oh. in my room for a while. <laughs> Overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just like Kind of a space where you can relax. It's not like an overload of information like the rest of the conference usually is. And, and so far we've been able to bring um, like chair massages to most of the conferences that we go to. So we provide those. We have um, different like discussion groups that are given. We have like a trial table that has like a weighted blanket and uh, one of those happy lights for seasonal depression and like a whole bunch of the more expensive stuff that you're not sure that you want to actually buy, but you can kind of try out before you decide to get one. That's really
0: cool. And I read on your website, like
2: meditation and yoga and things. Yeah, that too. So, um, you know, if we can, we usually try and uh, do it earlier in the morning when there's less people around and less like noise and distraction or find a quieter room. That seems to help a lot of people um, kind of just keep in their daily routine if that's something that they do. Sure. And I really loved
0: on your website as well, your slogan that said hackers helping hackers. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of this sense that you're building like a community of like minded people. um, So hopefully they don't feel so alone in whatever they're going through. Yeah, definitely. Was that kind of your
2: aim from the very beginning? Yeah, because, you know, in general, people with that are having mental health issues are less likely to go find help themselves. Yeah. And if, you know, if I can have an open dialogue about all the crazy stuff that's going on in my head, you know, it might help somebody else to think, okay, well, maybe I should go get help or maybe I could do this to help myself. It seems to be more of a, um, a theme lately of even even like famous, you know, actors, actresses or whatever coming out and, you know, describing their struggles. So it, it seems to be more of a conversation, which I think is really all we need. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's kind of no secret that mental health related issues are on the rise, or at least we're being more open about them, um, particularly in this sort of field. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that is? And are there certain mental health risks that are unique to this kind of sector,
2: do you think? So yeah, there's um, uh, that's some of the research that I did is there's actually several studies out there that point to people with higher intelligence and IQs having more mental health problems. Oh, yeah. I've heard this before. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like a crazy, crazy amount Mm. more than the average population. Um, You know, if if you're, you know, uh, the, the higher your intelligence is, I think your brain just kind of <laughs> likes to, uh, uh, overthink. Oh yeah. Overthink <laughs> itself, you know, you become more self-aware. And, uh, we also have a higher tendency to, uh, self-medicate, Yeah. you know, with whatever, be it, you know, alcohol, drug, you know, prescription drugs, non-prescription yeah. drugs, whatever, you know, in infosex specifically, we've seen a lot of suicide and a lot of, uh, unhealthy coping mechanisms. (laughs) Yeah, I think on your website as well, I read a
0: statistic um, that was the last 20 years have seen a 400% increase in the use of antidepressants um, with an estimated Mm -hmm. one in 10 adults now taking them. Yeah, I mean, those numbers just seem... Yeah, those those very high numbers. (laughs) Yeah, very scary. Mm -hmm. So in this day and age with technology, I feel like it can often actually be one of the major causes and triggers for anxiety and kind of social isolation and depression. So do you think it can be cathartic for hackers and techies to kind of connect at these events rather than on social media? Oh,
2: definitely.
0: (laughs) And kind of put their love of technology to use in like a very different kind of more positive or practical way maybe yeah
2: definitely because I mean all of us you know we're in tech so you know how many of us sit behind a computer screen and and don't actually interact with a person for yeah what eight ten twelve twenty four hours yeah when you realize you haven't been out of the house for about two days exactly exactly (laughs) I think that doesn't help as well you know kind of kind of add to the issues that we're having it's also, you know, in, in InfoSec and tech, they're, you know, definitely a higher percentage of men. Right. Yeah. And while uh, that's an entire other topic that we don't want to go into right now, men are more likely to not, uh, uh, seek help for any, on all problems because, you know, the whole, you know, I should be a strong man and I should have to, you know, ask for help and I shouldn't have any issues. Um, I think also probably adds to that. Yeah, which hopefully
0: it feels like it's slightly shifting. Now, but mm-hmm. I think we do still have a long way
2: to go with that. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, finally, if anyone kind of listening would like to find out more about mental health hackers or wants to reach out to you for support, where would
2: be the best place for them to go? And can people donate? Oh, definitely. We have our Twitter, which is at hackers health. My Twitter, which is at infosister. We have mentalhealthhackers dot org, uh, which has our donation information. We have like PayPal and Patreon. Nice. Yeah. So we have we're trying to hit all the things
0: (laughs) be everywhere (laughs) cool well we'll um put a link to all those in the show notes as well so it just makes it easier for people to find you yeah definitely but yeah thanks again it's been really nice talking to you and thanks for battling the traffic to to be here today
2: but yeah thanks thanks, (laughs) so much thank you so much for having me on
0: Are we ready for what the phrase?
1: Oh, I yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling you're gonna get this one.
1: This one looks pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah. Okay, so this week's phrase is a Polish expression, um, or idiom, and it's not my circus, not my monkeys.
1: I mean, it's it's not my problem, right? Like, it's just, it's like, this isn't my problem.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's such
1: a great way to, like, I, I'm going to adopt this. I'm going to take, I'm going to start using this. Not my circus, not my monkeys.
0: I know. So yeah, I guess monkeys are like problems in Poland, <laughs> and circuses are where problems come from. But,
1: um... I like that you unpacked it. That's good.
0: It doesn't really need unpacking, but...
1: <laughs> You know, Poland, where they have all those monkey problems.
0: All the monkey, like, yeah, roaming around. (laughs)
1: Stealing people's (laughs) bananas.
0: Nice. Not my circus. (laughs) Not my monkeys. Well, we that was a pretty clean
1: recording. I was I was aiming for not not having you have to do a lot of editing. I was like, today we're just gonna we're gonna go through it and it's gonna be great. And I'm not gonna say anything embarrassing. I'm not gonna say anything later that I hear on the podcast and think to myself, oh my god, I can't believe Anna didn't edit that out.
0: (laughs) Well, Matt must be the problem here because you know we are seen. I think so. Yeah. Sorry to tell you that. So uh,
1: from now on, folks, it'll just be the Rue and Anna show.
0: You will no longer hear Matt's Dulcet nope. Tones. We've r- written him out of the podcast. <laughs>
1: we got to retcon him out so it was like he never existed.
0: <laughs> I'll just edit
1: him oh. out. Oh, God. All right. Well, this was fun, Anna. Love you, Anna. Love
2: you. Bye-bye. All right. We'll catch you later. Bye.